Okay, so a couple of weeks ago, I guess it's probably been, I don't know, three or four weeks ago, Pastor Bobby, he asked me, he said, hey, would you be willing to preach? I'd like to see a show of hands of who's going to tell the pastor no. That's what I thought. I wasn't going to be the one either. But I left and I thought, hey, God, I got nothing. There's no word. There's no thing that I can think about. There's no scripture that, that sticks out to me. There's no topic that really feels like it hits home to me that I feel like can make a difference in anybody's life. I got nothing. So if you could help me out, I'd be real appreciative. And, uh, and then it happened. If you ask God for things, he'll do things. So I want to talk this morning, um, oh, it's there. No mistakes. That's the title of the message, and, and we'll get there. It'll all, I hope, I hope and I pray somehow this will all make sense when we get to the end. Okay? If you know anything about me, you know that I'm a musician, probably because I stood here and played the guitar for 15 minutes. Um, and, and that's important to me. So as a kid, I was probably 13 years old, and um, I had watched my, my dad try to teach my brother how to play the guitar. It's painful. They screamed at each other. And I thought, I know how to avoid all of this, and it's to never do that. I will never touch that thing because I know what comes. However, at 13 years old, I walked in my parents' closet to get something, and I saw the guitar, and it was sitting in the corner, and it was so pretty. And I walked over, and I thumped it. And I thought, that is the coolest thing I've ever heard. So I thought, I'll learn how to play that. And it was a, a, a long and ugly process, but I did. And then I played in some bands. And I was going to be a rocker. I had plans, y'all. I had plans. I was going to take a guitar, and I was going to travel the world, and I was going to play music. I didn't need to be famous. I just wanted to play music for a living. That's what I wanted to do. And then one night... I went to a concert in Meridian, and there were a bunch of bands that were going to play, and they were terrible. They were all terrible. But then somebody spoke up and said, hey, there's an all-girl band that's about to play. And I said, hold up. We ain't leaving just yet. And then this little band of four little girls walks up on the stage, and they're so cute walking up there. And I looked at my dear pal beside me, and I said, hey. I'm going to marry that guitar player. He said, well, that's great. I'm going to marry the bass player. And that got married two years before we did, and they live across the street from us, so it's amazing. And then, you know, carry on. And, and of course, there was a, a long process there. But in all of this, towards the end of my great music career that never really existed, everything was going so well. I mean, really, really well. We were working on an album. We were traveling a ton. And then it crashed and burned. I quit my job to go travel because this was it. All the things were happening, and it didn't. So we'll come back to that. Let's talk about the Bible. One of my favorite stories, and it always has been, is Joseph in the Bible. Does anybody know who Joseph is? Maybe. Maybe, just maybe. I'm going to start in chapter 37, verses 1 through 11. There is a lot of scripture here. Please forgive me. Um, I'm trying to cram about seven chapters into eh, about a couple of minutes. Chapter 37, starting in verse 1, it says, Jacob lived in the land of his father's sojournings, in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was pasturing the flock with his brothers. 
He was a boy with the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah. Don't know if that's right or not, but I'm going with it. His father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to their father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any other of his sons because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a robe of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. Now Joseph had a dream. And when he told his dream to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, hear this dream that I have dreamed. Behold, we were binding sheaves in the field and behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright. And behold, your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. His brothers said to him, are you indeed to reign over us? Or are you indeed to rule over us? So they hated him even more. He just keeps going. Everything he does, they just get more mad. Uh, they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Then he dreamed another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Behold, I have dreamed another dream. Behold, the sun, the moon, and eleven stars were bowing down to me. But when he told it to his father and to his brothers, his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall I and your mother... And your brothers indeed come to bow ourselves to the ground before you. And his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the saying in mind. So if you can imagine being the guy, he's just a little guy, he's 17. He's a wee little fella. And everybody hates him. Daddy loves me, they all hate me. So his dad has all these flocks. I'm, I'm assuming a little bit, a little bit of a ways off. And he tells the sons, hey, go and... Take care of my flocks. So they're all gone except for Joseph. He's, he's still lagging behind. He's over here. You know, he's daddy's favorite. I can't be mad at him. Well, then he tells him, hey, Joseph, I want you to go out and I want you to check on him. Bring me back a report. Well, these guys, as they're standing out there, they see him coming from afar. And he's got on that stupid coat. We already hate him. And they begin to plot. And they say, hey, I've got an idea. Why don't we kill him? <laughs> that's a great idea. And most of them probably jump along and they say, that's a good idea. Let's do it. I'm in. You don't really want to be that guy. I'm just throwing that out there. But there was one. There was one person. His name was Reuben. And he was like, why don't we not kill him? Just a thought. What if we just throw him in a hole? Now, Reuben's whole plan here was not to just throw him in a hole and leave him. He knew how much his dad loved him. So the plan was, we'll throw him in the hole. All these guys will go away and I'll go back and rescue him. It'll work. Except it didn't. It didn't work at all. They threw him in the hole. Reuben disappears for a minute. Well, along come some guys and they say, hey, you know what? Instead of killing him, why don't we get something out of him? Let's sell him. And of course, I can imagine, I can imagine all the little people, they're standing here, they're like, hey, let's sell it. Yeah, let's get some money. And so they do. Now, I want you to go ahead and start to think about something. You have, a, you have Joseph. Joseph hasn't done anything wrong. He had some dreams. He told his family about some dreams. They got mad. His dad loved him. He made him a coat. They got mad. But Joseph hasn't done anything wrong. So, as they sell him away, they took his coat. And the plan had to be, because you can't just go back to your parents and be like, we lost him, sorry. 
And especially if you hate him and you really don't want him to come back and now you've made money off of him, hey guys, let's dip the coat in blood and we'll take it back to dad and say, hey, you gotta eat up by something. Dad'll be sad, we're not in trouble, it's great. We got money, we're free and clear, all good. Can you imagine the devastation of the kid that you love so much is now gone? Well, let's jump on down a little bit. Let's go to Genesis 37 and 25. I think that's where we want to be. Oh yeah, see, and I totally, I just jumped right over that. I told you, Brendan. Let me give you a quick update here. I'm extremely ADD and I'm very sorry. Okay, going down to uh, 39. So Joseph, from his perspective, can you imagine sitting in the hole? You're, you're now in a, a pit because you've, you've done nothing wrong. But who they sold him to was a guy named Potiphar. Potiphar was a pretty cool guy. He had lots of things. And so let's go to chapter 39, verses 19. And it says, nope, that's not where I want to be either, Brendan. I'm so sorry. Mm-mm, not where I want to be. Okay, we'll come back. So he goes to Potiphar's house, and, and that's great. And so Potiphar notices one thing, and that is that God is with him. And so, hey, whatever you want, whatever you want to do, you're, you're good. Do your thing. Well, then Potiphar's wife rolls in, and she thinks Joseph's a pretty good-looking guy. So she's like, hey, buddy, why don't you and I go hang out for a while? He said, no, we ain't doing that. This guy has, has trusted me. All of these things, I'm in. For whatever whatever he wants is, is what I'm going to do. You're his wife. It's off limits. But she was persistent. She was extremely persistent. And one day, she walks in. Nobody else is there. And she's like, hey, come here. And he says, no. I don't want anything to do with you. Sorry. Love you. Love, love Potiphar. I'm out. So he runs away. She grabs his coat. And he's gone. But then she creates this story. Hey, hey, Potiphar. He, he, tried, he tried to be with me, and I'm really sad. Chapter 39, verses 19, it says, As soon as his master heard the words that his wife spoke to him, this is the way your servant has treated me, his anger was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one to do it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him and whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. You have a guy who has done nothing wrong, who ended up in a pit because he was sold by his brothers because they hated him. He did nothing wrong in Potiphar's house, and now he's in prison. This is going well. It's going really well. So Joseph's in prison for a while. And then these two guys. No, is you? I'm sorry. These two guys come down. You have the chief cupbearer and the chief baker. And they roll into the local prison house. Things aren't going well. But then on the same night, they both have a dream. And they don't know what to do with it. And so they tell Joseph. They tell Joseph the dream, and they're like, we don't really know what it means. 
And so he interprets it. He allows God to give him what it actually means. And he tells him, he says, hey, Mr. Chief Cupbearer, in three days you're going to be restored. The king's going to bring you back and everything's going to be great. And so the baker's like, sweet. So he tells him, you know, go through his dream again. He doesn't get the same outcome. He's like, hey, in three days, you're dead. Sorry. And exactly as it was told, is exactly what happened. So the one thing that Joseph said, he said, look, when you get out of here, please, please remember. Yep, gotcha. Except for it didn't happen that way. Two more years. Two more years pass. Nobody remembered Joseph. Two years. Well, Pharaoh has a dream. And he calls all the people in. He just wants somebody to interpret the dream. He has two dreams. He says what they are. Nobody in the great kingdom knows. And then all of a sudden, light bulb, the chief cupbearer who got restored two years before that forgot about the guy, he's like, hey, hey, there is a guy. He's in the local prison house. If you could pull him up, he's the guy. Chapter 41, verse 8. So in the morning, his spirit was troubled, and he sent and called for the magicians of Egypt and all its wise men. Pharaoh told them of his dreams, but there was none who could interpret. Chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, I remember my offenses today. When Pharaoh was angry with his servants and put me and the chief baker in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, we dreamed on the same night, he and I each having a dream with its own interpretation. A young Hebrew was there with us a servant of the captain of the guard. When we told him, he interpreted our dreams to us, giving an interpretation to each man according to his dream. And he interpreted to us, and so it came about. I was restored to my office, and the baker was hanged. Then Pharaoh sent and called to Joseph, and quickly they brought him up out of the pit. And when he was shaved and changed his clothes, he came in before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I've had a dream, and there is no one who can interpret it. I have said it, uh, I have heard it said of you, when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. So Joseph answered, Pharaoh, it is not me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. So he does. Pharaoh gives the dream. Joseph says, basically in a nutshell, you're going to have seven years of good. Everything's going to be great. You'll have plenty. As much as you want. And then the seven years after that, it's going to be terrible. You'll have no food. Everybody's going to be hungry. So Genesis 41, it says, this proposal pleased Pharaoh and all his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find a man like this in whom is the spirit of God? And Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has shown you all this, there is none so discerning and wise as you. You shall be over my house and all my people shall order themselves as you command. Only as regards to the throne will I be greater than you. This is the guy that was hated by his family and thrown into the pit, sold, lied about, who's done nothing wrong, served some jail time. And now you have the guy that's over everything that says, God is with you. Everything is yours. Genesis 42, it says, no, we'll come back to that. 
the title of this message is, is No Mistakes. Now, we'll talk a little bit more about different types of mistakes and those things, but my point here is this. Do I think that God made a mistake? No. I don't. And that's the same thing for your life and for my life. There are, there are two on your notes. There are two types of mistakes. I'm going to add a third one, and you're just going to have to go with me because it's really a stretch. The first type of mistake is a deliberate mistake. I know, and I even read, and it said, that's an oxymoron. Yeah, whatever. Okay, have it your way. This is when, and we'll almost go in, in the sense of sin, that you say, hey, this is bad and I shouldn't do it. Yeah, but I'm in. It's fine. Let's do it. And then the second type of mistake is an unintentional mistake. Maybe, just maybe, there's something that you did that you didn't really mean to cause harm, but it did. So in a, with a deliberate mistake, what you're looking at is and we'll go to the story. You have the brothers who sold Joseph to Potiphar. They intentionally said, hey, well, let's kill him. And then they decided against that. But let's, let's sell him. They chose to do that. They knew it was wrong and they did it anyways. And if you're looking at an unintentional mistake, when you're looking at Reuben, Reuben is the one guy who said, hey, let's not do that. And he had the best of intentions, kind of, sort of. But his unintentional mistake is his brother, who he wanted to save, is now gone. This morning, it is altogether possible that you have brought a mess on your very own life. Been there, done that. I would assume probably everybody in this room has. I told Benny I was going to bar him for just a second for his, uh, for his story. And so when I look at Benny, I see an amazing guy who God has blessed his life. But Benny made some really dumb mistakes. <laughs> there were things that you probably knew when you were doing them. They were absolutely the wrong thing. They would cause harm not only to you, but to all of the people around you, correct? How many times do we do that where we look at something and we say, I should not do this very thing, but I think I'll do it anyways. Because for whatever reason, we have a lapse in judgment and we say, it doesn't really matter to me anymore what the consequences are. I'll deal with those later. And that is a mistake and that is, it can be very, very hurtful. However, do I think that God made a mistake by what you've lived through? Absolutely not. One thousand percent no, because what you miss in your story is that when you go through the things that you go through, whether you brought them on yourself or not, God did not make a mistake when he created you. He did not make a mistake when he brought you out of it. And number three, and this is my stretch, so just go with me here. It's not, you're not going to say, oh, oh, you're typing. Thank you. Um, again, just hang, I'll try to make it make sense. I'll call it an undeserved mistake. 
and and this is one that if you want to know the one that breaks my heart, it would be here. What I mean by an undeserved mistake is when you look at Joseph, you have a guy that didn't do anything wrong. There was nothing that he did in any any part of this story that he should have suffered the consequences that he suffered. When I think about this, I think about when Sarah had cancer. My precious, amazing wife did not deserve that. There was nothing that she did that made her deserve to have to go through what she went through. I watched my brother and his wife try to adopt a child and I've seen more hurt. They shouldn't have had to go through that. I've seen families broken apart And all the people around him are the ones that suffer. I talked to God years ago and it still sticks with me. He's mad at God because his dad died. And you look at all of the things. You don't deserve them. But why would they happen? Because the one question that I get asked a lot, I talk to a lot of people. And so I hear a lot of, a lot of the hurt that people go through. It's really interesting. It's a, I never knew that would happen with what I do for a living, but I may as well be a therapist some days. But the one question that remains over and over and over is how does a good God allow something bad to happen? And I can't answer that. But here's what I do know. All of these mistakes, whether you put them on yourself whether they just happened to come around or, or maybe you did something that you non-action is still an action and maybe you hurt somebody that way or maybe you're the victim of all of it and you've done nothing wrong and you find yourself just like Joseph and you're sitting in the hole and you're looking up, God, I don't deserve this. Maybe you don't. But do I think that God made a mistake in that moment in your life? No. Thousand percent no. There are ways to overcome, we'll call them hurdles. Some of the words that I have pulled here, I had to kind of move around. One of the ways to overcome a hurdle is to accept it. I remember driving home with Sarah one day as she was talking about medicine because now her life has changed and she has to take a pill every day of her life. She hates it. She's better now. And she began to cry. She said, I can't do this. I, I cannot be the one to take a pill every day and feel like there's something wrong with me. I get it. Number two is find the positive. My response was this. We have two options. We can own it. We can accept it. 
You can take that pill every day for the rest of your life and you can live and we can have an amazing life. Or you can not take it and you will die. The positive is <laughs> you can take it and you can live. Number three, have grace for yourself. If you are the person who made the intentional mistake, you did the thing that you knew would bring destruction and harm to yourself or your family or those around you, and you've come through that, and God has shown you grace, give grace to yourself. Number four, look ahead. I don't care what you have been through, how awful it is, how ugly it is, who has mistreated you. Because I can assure you that everyone in this room has been mistreated. Everybody in here has been lied to. Everybody in here has been lied about. Some of you, if you really told me your story, I would probably sit here and, and just cry. But those things are back there. And if you spend your time, if you had been Joseph and you spent your time looking in the hole and you said, but this is where I am. See, there's an end to that story. And it wasn't what happened here in the pit. It wasn't what happened in the prison. Joseph just kept looking ahead. You have got to look ahead. You cannot only focus. Now, those things are important. It's important to look back at the hole. It's important to look back at the prison and say, yeah, but look where, where God was with me when it didn't make any sense, when everything was hard. And then you stand up and you say, I made a lot of bad decisions. And now I'm going to take my story and I'm going to help change somebody's life. Because there's always a positive from the things that you've been through. You can either stay there and you can feel sorry for yourself. And I'm real sorry that you've been through what you've been through. Or you can take it and you can turn it into a positive And you can look ahead and you can try to help somebody else who's going through the same thing. To know that there is a God in heaven who loves them. Anytime I talk to somebody that is a youth. Anytime I talk to somebody. My gosh, there's adults who are. 40 years older than me. You are created with a purpose. You were created for a purpose. And don't you dare let those things be the things to stop you from living out your purpose for Jesus. Number five, let it go. Elsa agrees. <laughs> if I thought about it before right now, Elsa would have flown across the screen. Let it go does not mean block it out and act like it never happened. Let it go means accept it. Take it for what it is. Heal from it. And move on. You can carry things with you that have weight and then not have the same weight that they once had. So the end of the story, let's go back to Genesis. Chapter 42, verse 6. Now Joseph was governor over the land. He was the one who sold to all the people of the land. Funny, 
And Joseph's brothers came and bowed themselves before him with their faces to the ground. Joseph saw his brothers and recognized them. But he treated them like strangers and spoke roughly to them. Where do you come from? He said. He said, from the land of Canaan to buy food. And Joseph recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. And Joseph remembered the dreams that he had dreamed of them. Yo, this wasn't like two and a half days later. Oh yeah, that dream came true right then. This is years. It's been so long, they don't even know who he is. Chapter 45, so Joseph said to his brothers, come near to me, please. And they came near and he said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now, do not be stressed or angry with yourselves, for you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and yet there are five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on the earth. And to keep alive for many, for you, many survivors. So it's not you who sent me here, but God, he has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. The little hated kid with the goofy looking jacket who God gave him a dream. Maybe God has given you something and you just, well, it didn't happen in like 30 days, so it must be null and void. I don't think so. I want to challenge you this morning to look at the things that you look at as mistakes in your life. Whether you created them, somebody else did something to you, or they're just completely undeserved and they don't make any sense to you. There is a reason that they are happening. Do I know what that is? I ain't got a clue. I don't know. I'm sorry. Ask Bobby. I'm sure he knows. <laughs> sorry. But remember that God created you with a purpose and for a purpose. Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. If you can take those mistakes and you can flip them around and you begin to speak life, I thought about Brower this morning on the way here, talking about being healed. And that's awesome. And God can do anything that he wants to do. But I think it was Nick Kewen that told you, maybe just maybe the reason that you're dealing with this is you found the hope of Jesus and you can speak that into somebody else that's going through the same thing. God doesn't make mistakes. Did he put you through what you've been through? I think so. I think God will allow things. But I think in the end, whatever it is, whatever happened, God still has a plan. Yes. 
take what the enemy meant for evil as you turn it for good. We're going to take just a couple of minutes to pray. Cue the music. If you ever want to know what not to do while you preach, it's probably all the things right here. I want you to close your eyes for a minute. And I want you to think about the things in your life that maybe even currently they seem like mistakes. Is it possible that God is going to do something through them? Now that doesn't mean keep on moving and keep on making those same mistakes. What that means is repent of your sin and move on and allow God to take something that is so negative and so ugly and turn it into something that is beautiful. If you're here this morning and somebody has caused you a great deal of pain and you think about it and it eats at your heart, there's probably nothing this side of heaven that you're ever going to do to change that. And I'm real sorry. But there is still restoration for you. There's a chance for you to be free from whomever has hurt you. Doesn't matter what they did. But you have to remember that whatever it is and whether it makes sense or not, God can use anything. for everybody that's here and everybody that's watching online. God, I pray that you would begin to speak to just hearts. That you would change lives. God, you can do anything that you want to do. of the past are a way to glorify you no matter what. Jesus, we give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor. 
Amen.